So Sean Atwood and Peter Mahoney are reunited with Paddy Maloney. And it's good to have Paddy back. If you didn't see part one, we've got it down in the description box below this video. Just mind-blowing stories, Lee Duffy stuff and all the craziness that went on. And um, I was absolutely mesmerised. It's a must-watch. Absolutely. It's doing really well. And I think it's got one of the highest likes to dislikes ratios out of all the videos. Yeah, yeah, Jamie was saying, yeah. So what have you been up to since last? Well, I've been in lockdown, same as everybody else. So it's been pretty tough for everyone. But I think we're coming out of it now, aren't we? Yeah. 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 Has, it, has it got to you? Yeah, because there's nothing to do, is there? No, you know, no. You know, it's, it's quite boring. So has it really... I mean, it's, this sounds lazy on my part, but apart from doing the kitchens with my dad, which my dad's retired now anyway, so he doesn't really do... And Sean was down London. Hmm. I've been. Um, I generally just sit in the house anyway. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. that hasn't really yeah. affected yeah. me that much. It's all yeah. to be fair. Because people say, "Oh, it's depressed me, and it's done that, and I can't do this, and I can't do that." I used to like to go to the gym a bit, so obviously the gyms have shut. Yeah. So oh, and now I'm right, just stuck in the house now. The wife's yeah. at work; she's working in the hospital with my daughter. Mm. So I'm, I'm at almost time on my own. Have you got like an extra room you can turn into a gym or like a shed or something? No, she'd kill me. No. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have a gym in the house, she'd kill me. Yeah. No, that'd be no good. <clears throat> so last time you mentioned the Scouse, Pablo Escobar, Chris Welch. That's right, yeah. Which led to you being involved in the conspiracy. What was your full dealings with him? Uh, how this came about, I mean, I mean, on my first interview, I admitted I was a drug dealer and such stuff like that. Well, what happened with Chris Welsh was he was good friends with, with someone called Michael Morgan, Mick Morgan. These are two Scouse lads. Uh, I hadn't had no dealings with Christopher Welsh, but I had with Mick Morgan. And I think I mentioned it in my first podcast. Uh, maybe he was 30 years before. He was a young, cheeky little Scouse kid. I used to come to Middlesbrough and bring Rocky down. And I'd buy it off him. But I'd lost all touch with him. But he was in jail. I've got a friend in jail called Paul Bryan. Uh, he's doing two life sentences and we're really good friends and we keep in touch he phones me once a week I visit him when I can we're, we're really good friends and he phoned me one, one afternoon and said to me uh, I'm in dispersals Paddy I'm getting transferred to a different prison and I've just bumped into uh, Mick Morgan I'm like God Mick Morgan that's just like a blast from the past like fucking hell I said how is he he went oh he's great he's fantastic he's just finishing 14 yeah I think he said he's out in about two years I went alright he went, I've given him your number. What have you given my number for? And he went, oh, I just asked for it, so I've given him your number. So I thought, oh, yeah, whatever. So a couple of weeks after, Sunday afternoon, I'm having my dinner. I sat upstairs, and the phone goes, and it's Mick Morgan on the phone. And we've got to bear in mind I haven't spoken to this man for 30 years. Yeah. So, like, it's a bit of a... It's, it's, the conversation was quite difficult. He's asking me if it's OK if he phones, and I really want to say no, but how do you say no to someone who's... You know, he was an old friend. So I said, yeah, of course you can, yeah. yeah. And you obviously know what's going to come next, you know. You have a few phone calls off him. It's either, can you get us or yeah. I've got... Yeah, yeah, and it was, it was a bit hard. So he phoned me a couple of times. The conversation was OK. He was, just, he was telling me what Paul had told him. He was saying, oh, you've settled down, oh, you're a granddad. You've packed all that in, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. A few weeks later, he phones me. He asked me if I can get rid of any uh, amphetamine for him. Mm -hmm. He said, I'd do him a massive favour. I could uh, move some amphetamine for him. So I said, no, I'm not doing it no more. And then one afternoon I'm in the club, we, we, 
at the time we were living in the Middlebeck Social Club, we were running it, me and my wife. So I was downstairs one day having a pint. One of the local drug dealers was in there. Nice kid, nice quiet kid, done a bit of whiz. So I just asked him, you know, how's it going? And oh, it's shy, but I can't get no decent stuff. So just something, something in my head just at the time was wrong. I just said, leave it with me. So the next time Mick phoned me, I said, send me some down, yeah? So he sent me 4K down. Well, you're thinking basically, I get it. Give yeah, it to him that's, and get a cut. That's all it was, you know. I'm not going to keep it. Or no, anything, no, you know I wasn't mean? going to keep it. Instead. I'm doing a favour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly my thoughts. Yeah, so exactly. I didn't feel as though yeah. I was doing anything wrong. I thought... I'll get a few quid for it. Yeah. He's going to give me a couple of hundred quid. Yeah, I'm gonna give everyone's kid, happy. A couple of hundred quid. And that, that's it. And that's that's what went on for quite a while. And then uh, Mick introduced me to Chris Welsh, who he was who he was in prison with. And uh, Chris Welsh was on like a different different level. Yeah. So I started getting off Chris Welsh as well. They were like working together as partners. And uh, I I'd done this for about six seven months, and it was it was okay because I wasn't doing. I didn't think I was doing anything like you said. I wasn't driving about the town. I wasn't buying flash cars. My wife didn't know anything about it because it wasn't a great deal of money. No. Mainly, you didn't have queues of people no, coming to see you. No, no one phoning me up and out. No. No drug phone or anything. So I might be making £500 a month. It's the easiest way to do it, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 500 quid. So the money didn't, like... I didn't have bags of money anywhere, so the wife was like, what's going on here? It just paid for the shopping or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Of Debbie said, there's a bill there. So, oh, yeah, I've got some money here. So it was a massive money. And then... Uh, but it helps out a lot. Yeah, it did help me out because we were struggling at the time with the club, you know. We were struggling. So I carries on with it, and uh, it got to the stage where... It wasn't worth my while. And every now and then he'd send some stuff down that wouldn't be any good and I'd have to send it back. Yeah. And I thought, I'm not getting this headache again. So I think I worked with him for quite a few months, say seven or eight months. And then I packed in. I, I packed in. And it was... Uh, that, that was the that was the finish. I'd had, I had a chat with his pal, Sotomayor, who, who I used to deal with. He, was, he wasn't in jail. He was like, he's right, a man outside. And what had happened? I, I owed him... Uh, I owed him £6,000. But I'd gone to Spain on a, on a family like holiday with, with some friends, and uh, one of the, one of the friends was my brother-in-law, my our Pat's husband, and uh, he died. He had an heart attack in Spain. There was four of us. I don't, don't know if I mentioned this today. The first I one. Did he have to pay for him to get back or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a bit of a carry on. So like, uh, so poor Brian died, and like, my life was upturned upside down. So we eventually got home and this sort of my phone and me pestering me for the money. And I said, listen, do us a favour, mate, give us a break. I'm trying to, you know, I've got problems yeah. here. So in the end, I ended up paying him the six grand back, met him in a petrol station. Unbeknownst to me, he was under surveillance. Mm. I didn't know. I've never met no one in a service station. It's a no-no for me. But it was just because I owed him the money for so long, I agreed yeah. to meet him halfway. So I give him six grand. We have a cuddle. Bit of a shadow box, a bit of a we have got to wear a burger king. Yeah. Have, have a sandwich. And I tell him it's over, it's finished. No more, it's done. I'm not doing it no more. So I goes home, forgets all about it. Uh unbeknownst to me, they were in a massive operation. Uh I think we called it Cavella, Operation Cavella. It was like England, Scotland, Wales, everywhere. It, the, the conspiracy was massive, but I didn't know no one else in the conspiracy. I knew Mick Morgan. Who wasn't? He died before the conspiracy. Uh, Christopher Welch and Neil Sotomayor. 
They obviously didn't know they were being watched. No, no. But they all, they all, it, it come on top for them, they all got locked up. I didn't yeah. even know they were locked up. A uh, couple were on the man, a couple were on bail. Uh, obviously, there was a couple of couriers involved that I'd met. I didn't know the names. So about seven months later, I'm just laid in bed, and uh, a flat dog goes through about half six in the morning. Mm. And there's policemen everywhere. And at the time, it was like I was in the, in the spare bedroom, not because I fell out with a wife or not like that, because yeah, the grandkids yeah. were there. So I'm in the spare bedroom, and it's the furthest one away from the back door where they've come in. I can just, and I think I'm dreaming, I can hear all this banging and shouting and screaming. So I've sat up in the bed, and like, it's a spare room, so there's an iron board there with some clothes on. These two bobbies, I can hear my kids screaming, my, my daughter's screaming, the grandkids crying, I'm thinking, what the fuck's going on? Think the worst, don't you? What? Yeah, but uh, we have metal stairs coming up. to see the police yeah. in the way, aren't you? Yeah. So I've sat up <laughs> in the bed. I've sat up in the bed, and uh, I, I, I usually sleep with out on. You know what I mean? So yeah, I was yeah. Out on. So I'm sat up in the bed, and these two bobbies have come out the door, and uh, they're both trying to get in. Like, and I'm going like, "Even are you, Paddy?" When you ended the shot, we've got him, boss. We've got him. And I'm thinking, "Fuck, got me. I haven't done anything." So one of them falls over. He falls over the iron and bond, all the clothes on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> so he was really angry, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he made a fool of himself. So then they've, they've handcuffed me and they've dragged me along the landing in front of my grandkids and that. And my daughter's there all handcuffed on the settee. And I'm passing the front row and I'm thinking, fucking hell, what's going on? Let you put a my wife's handcuffed. Yeah, I never had a note on. Fucking bastard. On. So they dragged me to my bedroom, my bedroom, where my wife had slept with the grandkids. So then they've got me up and they've let me put something on because that's my bedroom, my clothes are in there. Yeah. So I've put some uh, shorts on, and these two. What it was, the, the squad from Liverpool had come to Middlesbrough. I think there was about six or seven of them. But they used Middlesbrough Place as well to uh, do the raid. Cause well, they like, couldn't raid you because yeah. they're jurisdiction. Right, so it? that's what it must have been. So I didn't know who was who. I didn't yeah. know which place I was in. But the two, a couple from Middlesbrough, they're in the bedroom with me, and they were screaming at me, where's the money? I was like, fucking hell. It's on the window ledge. I thought it was on about the, the mortgage money. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. I'm saying it's on the window ledge, but it's not mine. It's Debbie's. The VAT's on top of the wardrobe in a tin. And, like, and he was like, going, no, oh, that fucking money. Where's the drug money? Where's the drugs? But one of them spat at me. You know what I mean? I was handcuffed. And I mean, That's disgusting, that Spit one. at me, yeah. One of the police officers spit at me. And then this little, little stocky fellow come in with a, with a wax jacket on. He calmed everything down. I forgot his name now, the police officer from Liverpool. He was like a high-ranking government. Yeah, yeah, he was in charge of a Cavalli yeah. operation from the uh, West Midlands uh, crime squad. And he came in and he said, Paddy, calm down. I mean, he just spit at me. It was still on my face. So like, he's looked at the bobby and went, get out. And I'm like, can I just go and clean my teeth and have a wash? I said, I, I feel like shit. So he let me go and come back and he went, I'm going to ask you one question. I'm only going to ask you it once. Tell me where the money is or tell me where the drugs are. And I said, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. And I didn't at the time. And he went, well, do you know Christopher Welch? So as he's talking to me, I'm thinking, Christopher, what's going on here? I haven't seen him for seven months. So I said, no, he went, I know you do, because he's got your phone number, and you were the only person he's phoning. But what had happened, the phone that he used to phone me on, I'd been to Spain, remember? I'd left the phone in Spain, right? So he's phoning that phone, and I'm not answering it. And the one's answering, no. Yeah, so he's, he's saying he's still phoning you. So he must have been phoning me for the £6,000. Yeah. <clears throat> so I get I get arrested and uh, what, what they're saying is I've, I'm rather mad in Christopher Welch's money to looking for like £2.3 million. And I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't be here if I had £2.3 million. So, or a big couple of old dogs full of heroin, cocaine and marijuana. 
And I said, you, listen, you can say it, do what you want. There's nothing in the club. That's all because he married you for 600. Fuck it, yeah, yeah. Six grand a week. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm sat there, I'm, I'm locked up. I'm down the police station. My solicitor comes to see me. And she says, uh, I said, what's going on? Sharon Tater was from Brown and Beer. So what's going on, Sharon? And she went, right, I've spoke to one of the officers, right? They've got text messages, incriminating text messages from me and someone called Neil Sotomayor. And Christopher Welch. I went, right. She went, they've only got out six, but they are incriminating. And I've got a video of you in a petrol station meeting Neil Sotomayor. She went, and so far, they're still at your house searching, searching the club. Nothing's been found so far. I went, they won't find nothing there. Yeah. There's not, I know 100% there's nothing there to incriminate me. But she said, so we're going to... She went, these people are dangerous people, Paddy. She went, I've, I've looked at them and that. They've told me who they are. And, and now she went, it's a conspiracy. And she named some more names. And I didn't know anyone in the conspiracy except for Neil Sotomayor, Christopher Welsh, and two couriers. So cut long story short, I'm in the police station and the scouts officers come back and they've got a couple of big brown bags. And they put them on the floor next to me. And I, I, I don't know what's in them, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking, what if they got in there? And it was mainly phones and things like that. But what they'd done at my house, they must have had some sort of machine, the wife said. Uh, they'd searched out kids' bedrooms, they searched the flat, and they found some phones, you know, in the backs of the drawers and that. Yeah, old phones. Yeah, old phones. Yeah. No batteries and that. Old days. They were putting them in the machine. And uh, they needed to find this phone to incriminate me. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to it's find it. It's just in it. Yeah. <laughs> but in one, my, in one of my daughter's phones... That phone number was in that phone. Yeah. Under dad. And like, so the founder, so they started to interview me and uh, I, I went no reply all the way through. But at the end of the interview, uh, I spoke to Sharon Tate and she told me that they found the number. And because that they found the number, they could link that phone to me. Because it was, he said to her, you know, front room, whose phone is this? One of my daughters goes, it's man. And they went, it's, whose number's that? She went, it's my dad's. Because it had dad. Yeah. She couldn't do anything about it. So that, that was one of the things that... So I get arrested, and uh, I go to Liverpool, I go, to, go through the procedure of going to court, and I, and I start to meet the other people in the conspiracy, a uh, couple of Scouse lads, a couple of Welsh lads, someone from Cumbria. These people I didn't know, but I was in court with them. And uh, at first I was thinking, my solicitor, she said, uh, my barrister, she went, this won't go too far. I'm make an application to have it like kicked out. So she made the application, and I went to court in Liverpool, open to get it kicked out. You know, for lack yeah. of evidence, it was. Uh, and the judge, he said, "I've listened, and you understand where you're coming from, but I'm going to let a jury make the uh, the final decision." So, yes, applications denied. So now, as the court, my trial was seven weeks. I was up and down from Middlesbrough for like seven weeks. Uh, and then the trial was over, and the jury was out for 13 days for, for me. I would think it'd be wrong that they even went through your daughter's phones. I don't know. I don't know. I it just, doesn't seem right, that, does it? Yeah. Well, they've got a warrant to search. They go for they, everything. They can do what they want, can yeah. I think. So I end I ends up uh, up and down from Middlesbrough to Liverpool. Sometimes I stop in some cheap bed and breakfast. Sometimes I drive home, or someone drives me home. But I'm backwards and forwards to court. And each week... I know it's getting worse. Yeah. Each week I'm thinking, no, they're bringing things up. And my barrister, uh, Caroline, Caroline, she was called, she wasn't too clever at the end, you know. Anyway, I got found guilty. But after seven, seven weeks' trial, 
my jury was out for 13 days. And all I can remember is it was a Thursday, the 13th day, unlucky for me. And uh, the judge come out and he asked the jury, have they made a decision? And he said, no, we've got to break all your honour, we can't make a decision. And the judge went, listen, tomorrow is just, it's Friday, who wants to go to work? Just go back to the hotel and come back tomorrow. So he made them rush, really, didn't he? So they come back the next day. Yeah, he made them rush. The next day, well, it had been out 13 days, so... Yeah. Come back the next day and they found me guilty, like on a unanimous verdict. But if it was locked, it was being locked for the fucking good reason. Yeah. The judge yeah. should have just let it fucking ride. It should have been like a retrial or, or something. Yeah, of or, course. You know, I just kicked out. But it wasn't, so I ended up getting five and a half, yeah. You know. Didn't you have itchy feet? Didn't you think, hang on, it's, yeah, it's going to yeah. go my yeah. fucking... Gonna go wrong, mate. I'm gonna fuck off. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I thought about it, and I spoke to my wife about it. You need money for it, though, don't you? I, I had a friend who, who worked in Spain. Uh, called him Spanish Danny, obviously, and uh, he was from Leeds, and he he done taxes over there. He done he done a lot of, lot of things, but he didn't touch drugs. Yeah, he wasn't into drugs, and he was phoning me saying, "Pad, you're gonna get a big one, you know, the conspiracy, and uh, come here and I look after you." And I was thinking, yeah. But then, you know, I've got a family. Yeah, you're on the run for good, yeah, aren't so you? Yeah, so I just said, no, I changed that. I'd, and in the back of my mind, she said I'd get four, yeah? Because I'm thinking, she said four, I'll get two and a half or three. Yeah. You always think that, don't you? So I've thought that. They tell you the worst, don't they? Yeah, yeah, she didn't, though. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. So when I go out and get sentenced, my nephew Mark and Kenny Welsh come down with my wife and me, and, uh, oh, like, it goes in the court. All, everyone's there, because there's quite a few of us on bail. Yeah. And I went, goes in the thing with Caroline, my barrister, and she went, something's happened, Paddy. She went, this judge hates you. He, doesn't, he thinks there's more to you than what meets the eye. I went, well, what's the matter? And she, she was silly at first, really, because my wife sat next to me and she went, he's talking about 10-year, Pad. I went, shut up. I'm stupid. 4K of amphetamine. She went, it's not the drugs you've been caught with, it's the conspiracy, Paddy. I, I went, 10 years. Now, by this time, my wife broke down crying and ran out. I'm thinking, oh, God, no. Your class has been in an organised syndicate, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, So I said, what, what, why, what are you on about? And she went, it's at 10 years this morning when I, when I was having my arguments with him in his, in his chambers. I didn't know they'd done all that. Like. Yeah. And she went, and I've, I've got it down. I went, she went, what would you be happy with? I went, give me the four year. Give me the four year, you promised me. She said, I can't. I've got five and a half. I'm like, oh. And that was it. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. The worst feeling in the world. Four, you'd have done half, but over five, you do two yeah. thirds, don't you? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The well, I, yeah. I had in my mind I'd get two and a half years and I'd be out and so it had worked out in my head, I'd be out so and so in ten months on tag or something. And I was, yeah, yeah. Good behaviour. Yeah, and then you. when he comes up with five and a half years, I just oh yeah, I'm not laugh. But you, you've got it, haven't you? There's nothing you can do. I think sometimes it's best to do remand. No, because they sort of, when they kick you off on the street and you're yeah. waiting to go to Crown Court, it usually takes about 12 months, doesn't it? Yeah. If you'd have actually done a bit of remand there... It, it, yeah. Do well, you know what, well, man? He actually he asked, he actually asked us what we wanted to do, the judge. This, yeah. I've never heard it before in my life. We, I think there's about seven of us who was on bail. When we got found guilty, he went, I'm going to give you a choice now. You can all go downstairs and go on judge's remand. He did ask us this. Or you can go home and sort your affairs out. You get like two days for one hundred man, don't you? Yeah. So obviously I've turned around and looked at my wife and she's she's saying, Come home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you you know, you, it, in it, hindsight, I wish I'd done the remand. You don't take much persuasion, yeah. do you really? No. You know what I mean? One one of the lads, one of the couriers, uh, he 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 put his hand up and said, I'll I'll go on remand. 
He was back up in about half an hour. <laughs> you know, he sells out and come back up and change his mind. So, <laughs> so we all went home. Yeah. But that's just as bad, you know, going on because you know you're going back. And what he said to me before I went was, go on, Mr. Malone, sort your affairs out with his social club and everything and your wife. And then, because when you come back, I am going to send you to jail for a substantial amount of time. So then you're on bail and then you're like, yeah. Every day you're waiting for the phone call. It's like, I'm not guilty then, no. Can I get a not guilty? Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the, I think it was about four or five months later when I got sentenced. But, like I said, that four or five months, Mr Brown's in touch with the solicitor. And now, even though I've been found guilty, now he's starting another thing about my proceeds of crime. And I haven't got a bank account or nothing, so it's my wife who's getting tortured. They're going to her bank accounts and she has to account for, why, why was that money in there that, that time? Why was this in there? So, like, she's getting scrutinised now, and it caused a lot of pressure. You think it's really, that'd be totally wrong, but at the end of the day, with you being married, it's mm. both your accounts, even though it's in yeah. her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I couldn't answer no questions on the proceeds exam because it was Debbie that was getting interviewed about, so I mm. felt as though she was being... Yeah. You know. So then I got the phone call, and uh, I went, went down and spent the night in Liverpool, went to court the next day, Sat like that. Did you have a nice breakfast today, or did you? Stopped in New Delphi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stopped in New Delphi. I had, I had a nice breakfast, yeah. Nice <laughs> breakfast in there, New Delphi. Yeah, but I got the five and a half, yeah. And then you go to jail, you go to Walton Jail. I woke the next morning, I was I was uh, in the cell with one of the, my co-cure was a kid from uh, Wales, Kenneth Hughes. Nice young kid. He had a young family. He, he was devastated too. He got six, yeah. Shitting uh, at the allocation yeah. wing. Yeah. Just waiting to go on another wing. And then, like, you know, once you're there, and I sat there and I'm working, you know, you're working your dates out, aren't you? You've, only, you've only done 20 yeah. hours in jail, and you're working your dates out when you're getting out. And I thought, I'm going to be in here for three Christmases. I was like, God, no, that can't be. But I, that was it. You see the marks on the wall, yeah. and I thought, fuck it, why are people marking what, like, hours? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. fucking weeks to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you st- people still do that. I did it at the end. I used to the days off when I was in Kirklev. Yeah, so I got the five and a half year, and, and my first few weeks was quite was quite horrible, really, because you're far away from home, and it's just like it feels like your family down, don't you? And it's not an easy yeah. jail to do. Well, it's not fucking it's straight hardcore, isn't it? Do you know what? Out of all the jails I've been in, on this sentence, on that sentence, I, I liked Walton the best. Fucking hell! I thought the prison officers were like dead down to earth and uh, proper proper men. I think if, if if you stay a good. Convict, yeah, to like that, but if you fuck around, that, oh, yeah, that big yeah, I know what you mean. they've got, yeah, fuck yeah, you you're dead right. In. Well, they obviously must have knew what I was in for, and they, they check your records, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, and I was always polite with them, and they were always all right with me. And, and the scouts lads were all okay, you know. It, it was, it, I enjoyed my time, enjoyed my time there, you know. But you're there, and you've got to make the most of it, you've got to make the best of it. I didn't mind it because I was from Witness, I only did five yeah. months there. I got two and a half. I only did five months. Yeah. And but what I liked about it is I could get visits. Yeah. And then I went to Atkinson and Norfolk. Then I went to yeah. Well, that's the same. Like, I'm the it's opposite. You yeah. the same, isn't it? Well, like to yeah. move you away as far as you can. Yeah. Well, like Walton, it was a it's a rough jail, but like you say, you get there. And then I went to Preston. Uh, I was in Walton a few months, and I went to Wymott. That's in Preston. Yeah. Uh, a lot cleaner than uh, Walton, a lot cleaner. Full of scousers and manx. Uh, going back to the Walton, my first visit was heartbreaking. and I was like, God, no. Because it's such it's a... It's not it when you see yeah. it, it's when you walk away, oh, don't it? Oh, yeah. 
it's terrible. But you get over it, don't you? So like, I get the one. It's a, it's a much cleaner jail. And uh, when I was getting transferred from uh, Walton, there was three of us going to uh, Preston. Did they have toilets really well? Or the wings were... Yeah, they've got toilets. What they've done, you have three cells. They cut yeah. one cell in half. So this one cell ten the toilets for either side, yeah. They're disgusting, though. You wouldn't... You, you wait to have a shite on, on the land and you don't do it in there because it's disgusting. When I first got in there, it was piss and shit in a bucket until yeah. you got to... Yeah. That was on H, the allocation. Yeah. And then when you got to B, it changes all the way around because people say, you're on H-wing, that's a non-swing. But it, it's all changed, doesn't it? It's, changed, it's it. full of rats, Walton. Absolutely oh, fucking hell, yeah. yeah. We're getting back to where, where I'm at. I travelled from Walton with there, two young lads, a young, a young Manchester kid and a young, a young scouse lad called Paul uh, Madison. And uh, we become really good friends, me and Paul. He was young, he was a big lad. Mm-hmm. He was an absolute fanatic in the gym. He loved, just loved his gym. And he like sort of took to me like as a, a bit of a father, father figure, I, I think. So we ended up in the same cell in Wyamot. And he sort of looked after me, like you know, I didn't need looking after because I was okay. Yeah. But he was always there for me, you know. I was you looking back. Had me back. Always looking out for me. So it was nice that, isn't it? Yeah. And he ended up training with him. Uh, me and Paul become really good friends. But I mean, this kid was a lunatic in the gym. Yeah, he like tried to bench press and do all this. I was like, Paul, I'm sixty. I'm fifty eight year old, fifty nine year old. Make us a break. He went fucking a lot. I forgot. We, we still keep in touch. We still phone now and then, maybe it's once a year. And he's got his little family now. And then I ended up staying there for a while, and then I got transferred to where uh, Kirk Leverton, closer to home. Yeah. Open prison. And you know, I'd say out of all the three prisons, Kirk Leverton was the worst. I think that I've never been to an open prison, but I imagine so because I mean, literally, you can go over the fucking gate and just get out, yeah. can't you? You couldn't escape from Kirk Lev. Because it was, it still has a fence in that round, and it's, it's, quite, oh, right. it's quite secure. But it was good for my wife and my family because of the visits. And uh, I was, in, I was enhanced all the way through my prison sentence. I was always enhanced. I was always a good prisoner. You know, I was doing as I was told, and I didn't take no drugs in there. I didn't smoke nothing in and all that. I was, I was a model prisoner type of thing. The open prisons up there, they have like yeah. literally a six foot wall around. Yeah, people just fucking yeah. off to the pub and come oh, okay. back. Okay, it's got a massive fence around it. Yeah, and the owners are all fenced up as well. So when you say it's open, it's just your doors are open. They get, I've, I've heard a rumour they get fined every year for having the fence up. I don't know how true it is, like. Because well, you fence. shouldn't have a fence if it's an open prison. But, like, it was good for the family because I was not I was 12 minutes in a car because I timed it. Once yeah, it's twin, perfect. So it's perfect for the wife and kids. And then I, uh, as, you, as you go on, you, you you get outside work, you've got to find outside work. And, I, and before that, I was waiting. They have a car wash in a cafe outside for the visitors. Yeah. So I was waiting in the car wash. So maybe once a week, Debbie would sneak up and get a car washed. And while I'm washing the car, I talk to her. You know what I mean? And she'd bring us a Kentucky up or something, and we'd sneak it into the shed where we used to sit. I'd have gone the other way, I'd have gone with Kathy. So it started to get easier, my jail getting easier. And then, then I had to find work outside. I worked in a little uh, a restaurant in Maltby, yeah, pot washing. And then, then you get your day release. Yeah. They're a nightmare, them day releases. Absolutely. People would be sat, sat listening to going, yeah, but you're going home. Oh, God. You get out at 9 o'clock, you've got to be back at 5. Mm. And like it's like, and you've got to log down what, what you're doing that day. Yeah, some people like who only, the, the drug mules like and stuff like that because yeah. they just fill themselves up with fucking drugs all yeah, and yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather not have a day release because you go see your family and then you've got to go back. You're dead right. But like for me to say, no, I'm not coming home, she'd, she'd have killed me. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know what you mean, not coming home? 
So like going home was it was torture, you know, because you're coming back on that. But then you get your home leaves. You get three days at home, four days at home, then five days. So like they were better. They were better. I mean, I was home for Christmas. Did they test you for drinking drugs when you get back? Like? Yeah, they test you. Yeah, yeah. But you know when you do your day releases and you're going home for, or even your home leaves, you've got to fill a form in, and on the form you've got to say, tell them where you will approximately be at the approximate time. And sometimes they check. So, like, if you say, I'm going to go to so-and-so, you have to give you the phone. You have a prison phone. Yeah. You have to buy it yourself. You have a prison phone so they can contact you if there's a problem or you can contact them if there's a problem. Okay. Well, they'll phone you on that phone. And say you say you're going to be at the uh, Metro Centre, Gateshead. They'll phone you. They'll phone you. Where are you? Hmm. Um, in uh, Newcastle. Are you at the Metro Centre? No. And they can, they can, like, bring you back to prison for it. Fuck it's very hell. petty. Kirkland was very petty. You know, the prison officers, they were, they were quite ruthless, you know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't nick you for anything. But then it comes to a time where my sentence is finished and I got out and got back to try to get back to normality, you know. But like doing jail at that age, after you haven't been to jail for a long time, it was hard. It was hard. But like I say, I, I was looked after Paul Madison. Looked after me really well. So the youngsters look up to you then? Yeah, sort of, Someone yeah. more worldly yeah, with, a, with advice for them. I'm not, I'm not a bullshit, and I wasn't telling no lies. I wasn't bragging and saying I was anything Yeah, exactly, else. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got on with it. If they, I didn't tell anyone anything unless they asked me. You know, if they asked me, oh, what are you in for? I'd tell them. If they didn't ask me, I wouldn't tell them, you know. So at the beginning of this story, you mentioned your mate who was doing two lives. I think it was Gary. What's his story now? How come he's doing two lives? Paul Bryan. Was it Paul? Paul Bryan, yeah. Uh, he, he's been, he's always denied it. He's always denied it. He's uh, he's in jail for uh, three shootings, two murders, two died. And uh, to me, he's always denied that he's done it. He said he was, like, you know, it wasn't him. But he got found guilty and he's doing two life sentences. Okay. But uh, we're still in touch all the time. He's a, he's a really nice fella. What about the other one that didn't die? Did, did, he, did he accuse him of doing it? N- no. No. I don't know. I, they found forensics in his court and in his house where he lived. They said it was an ongoing thing. It went on for ages. Uh, I, I didn't go to the trial. The trial was no. in the days. I never went to the trial. I don't know what really went on with the trial. But he got found guilty. But, I mean, I can sit here and say he didn't do it, but he got found guilty, you know. Yeah, he's denied it for this long, man. though. There must be a reason yeah. why. Yeah. If you're guilty, you know, I mean, you've done that he's, much he's, time. He's, you're, you're... he's doing a book with Jamie Boyle. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's doing a book with Jamie. And do you know something? I mean, my book's quite interesting, but Paul's will be unbelievable. You know? Well, it's not impossible that um, evidence was planted. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, be, uh, he's been through all these stages. He's been through all these stages, Paul. He's had all these appeals and, and things like that. And he's, now he's just... His head's right. He's, his head's okay. Yeah. He's got a good family around him. His daughters and everything visit him. He's got grandkids that go up and visit him. And uh, for all the jail he's done, he's still in a good place. There is people who've done 20 odd years yeah. and yeah. evidence has come up now. It's loads. Do you reckon a third of the guys yeah. on death row are innocent? Yeah. Yeah, but. So was it was the shooting, uh, was it like a gangland thing? Drug deal gone bad, or what was it? It was a, it was a pub in Leeds. Uh, one of Paul's friends had a pub in Leeds and uh, this big ex rugby player, big black fella. Not too sure of his name now. Uh, he used to he was bullying people in there, taking money off them, taxing them, and uh, some sort of dispute. He, he 
So it could have been anyone who's killed him because he was he was had a lot of enemies. He had a lot of enemies in that pub in that area, and he was shot outside the pub. You know, so it could have been anyone. Like he a was shot, like he, a lead, he was shot si- outside like the a lead pub. Duffy situation. Yeah, he was shot outside the pub a week before or a couple of nights before, and then he was shot in the pub and killed. But the shooting outside the pub, Paul had an alibi. He was having a meal. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, he's been in jail like nineteen years now. Long, he's been in jail a long time. Fucking he hell, still tells yeah. me if I if I don't even ask him no more about it. Yeah. But if I do, he just says no. Nah, you haven't done it. I can't help him. So did you see much guard brutality then in the jails and prisons? Yeah, there's always brutality in the prison. Never, never moved his squad like Wildman said. Yeah, but I was never involved in it. But like in Walton, they have young lads. They have gangs doing it. It's like it's a postcode gangs and things like that. Yeah. They're stabbing each other every other day in, in the wall. Yeah. You know, you, you you just get immune to it. You just don't... Uh, just walk past it. Yeah. You can't get involved. Especially if you're not from that area. Exactly. I'm from the northeast. You know. 90% of it happens in the exercise yard. You're working new circles as you go past. And most of the time, they go for your ass for some reason. Yeah. I, only, I only found out that there's a lot of your asses in your ass. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's where they stab you in your ass. I didn't. I didn't really witness much of it. But if I did witness it, you, and you, you feel like because I've got I've got sons, young sons, you know what I mean. And the kids are their age, and like you know they're getting stabbed or beaten up in the in the shower room. And that. I mean, you, you want to go over and say, "Hey, lads, be here," but you, you can't. You just got to switch off. Not that you're a coward or anything. You, you got to ignore that, haven't you? Yeah, you got to go. Right. Got to do your own jail. You're yeah. doing your jail. Yeah, yeah. Can't do anyone else's jail. Do any person help in there, Mr. Selly? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did, well, you get, did you get along with all your sellies? Well, I had a couple. The first one in there, uh, Walton. Uh, oh, God, his name's in my book. Oh, God, my memory's terrible. But he, he was a proper scally, you know, a proper cheeky scouse kid. And uh, when I went in, there was no telly, no, because you get a telly and a kettle in your room now. No telly, no kettle. There was nothing in the room. So I'm putting my gear away and he's like talking to me and that. He went, Do you watch the telly? And yeah, yeah, watch the telly, mate, yeah. Did you drink tea and coffee? I mean, yeah, he went, ah, oh, fucking hell, I knew I'd get one. So, what's the matter? What are you on about? And he went, I've sold the fucking telly in the kettle. <laughs> He'd sold the telly in the kettle. I went, don't worry about it. But then the next couple of days, he got him back for us. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah, yeah. I only had a couple of cellmates. I was told to sort of my coke was for a couple of days before I went to Wymot. But mo- most of my time I spent with Paul Madison. We were told to Wymot for quite a while. And you go on a list for a for a single cell, and I got the. Uh, I was with him about ten months, and then I got a single cell. Can't be a single cell. Oh no! Even though he's your friend, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Know, it's it's nice. not. It's not nice shining in front of someone else. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though there's a curtain around you, it's not nice. And the television, you know, watching the television. There's a big age gap between us, so you wanted to watch all these like Love Island things, and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna watch ITV three, well, watch Vera or something. Yeah, BET. Yeah, but. You, you you get through it, and I got through it, and uh, you know I come out the other end. So did you say Vera? Yeah, I love Vera. I love Vera yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Oh, that's goes mad. And prime yeah. suspect, I like yeah. that as well. What was your day to day like then? What did you do to pass the time? In jail. Yeah. Like I say, I was with Paul, so we went to the gym every day. Every chance we got, we went to the gym. You have to work in there. I was a landing cleaner, so I used to clean my own landing every every day, and you know. You you do a good job, and the lads appreciate it. Did you get paid for that? Yeah, the wages aren't that good. I, I, I can't remember. Debbie used to send me thirty pound a week, in, which was heartbreaking because sometimes she was struggling. You know, well, I think you got about I think I got about eight quid, ten quid a week in prison, 
But you need money. Cause, I mean, I didn't smoke or I didn't buy drugs or anything. But you, you need your toiletries. You need your proper yeah, food. Yeah, you need proper food. You, you only get one meal a day, you know. You only get one meal a day. One proper meal a day. Yeah. You, you get your meal and then you, they give you a little box of cornflakes and a carton of milk for your breakfast the next day. They used to give you a decent breakfast. No, you don't get one now. You, you get it the night before. You get like a proper cooked breakfast, you know what I mean? You go down now, you, you get your... On a dinner time, you get, you'll get a sandwich. Yeah. A sandwich or whatever, that, that'll be it, or a bowl of soup for your dinner. Then sit down, you get your meal. But when they give you your meal, you get your breakfast for the next day. So then that sounds out of ten, you're going to have no breakfast because you've already ate it. You know well, what I mean? You just get these big sugar yeah. biscuits, they just be fucking huge. Yeah. So everyone, a lot of lads spend the money on the food in the canteen. So, so Jamie's got this... Lee Duffy um, documentary and all these books on Lee Duffy and you told us Lee Duffy's story last time which was absolutely mind-blowing yeah you were involved in the Battle of the Bongo what was that about? the Bongo was a nightclub in Middlesbrough it's near the train station it's uh, it was run by some by a Somali man called Abdullah and because I worked in another nightclub I used to get in there for nothing yeah I used to work in the speakeasy for Mary Price and uh on my night off one night, I was in the bong- I was in the bongo, stood near the door, talking to the barman, me and me and a friend, and uh, my brother-in-law Dale, Lee Duffy, and a couple of more lads come in. They've been to a nightclub in a, a posh nightclub called Madison. I think they caused a bit of trouble in there. Knocked a few doormen out and then decided to come to the bongo. <laughs> but the bongo was a different place. He, he, the doorman in there, Abdullah was the owner. He, he stood on the door, and two old fellas. Well, they weren't old then. Peter Woods and Danny Woods, and these two men were lethal. Yeah. One was about five foot six, and one was about five foot eight, but they didn't give a shit about anyone. You know, they, they had to, they, they eat with a hammer, and they, you know, dangerous men. So these gang of lads, Lee Duffy, has come to the bongo and they want to get him and out, and Abdullah's going out, no, you're not getting in. But I can hear them because there's a little glass thing, and I can see them pushing and shoving, and the next thing you know, hammer comes out and they start fighting, and they must have pressed a buzzard in, in the foyer. So... All these had a little kitchen in the bongo. All these I'd never seen them before. All these little Somalis come out with axes and everything. Yeah. And I got I'm like, wow. So I've put my foot against the door and they're trying to open it. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to the lads, no, it's okay, they're okay. I've, and I'm, I won't let them out because they would have killed my brother-in-law and they would have killed me. Lee. So anyway, this went on for honestly, it seemed like a lifetime, but it was probably about five, ten minutes. So then they've gone. They've gone in the taxi because they had phone the police and everything. So they've all gone. And then when I've took my foot off the door and Abdullah's coming, these little men are, yeah, he's done this and he's done that. So I got barred out for it. He barred, he's barred me out. Even, you know, Paddy's supposed to be my friend. I mean, yeah, but you would have killed him. They should have let him in anyway, though. They're going to spend money, you know what I mean? No, they wouldn't have. Oh, we no, they wouldn't have. He's going through They'd have just, anyone in there who was like, looked like anything. That, Zaxed. Oh, did, did, no, he was just, he didn't knock people off for fun. Especially when they don't drink. Yeah. Did he always wear shorts? Did he always wear shorts? He always had shorts on, yeah. There's another thing. I, I, uh, my bro- my brother-in-law was involved in some sort of drug thing, and he got caught. And uh, there was a friend of his was called Tom, Tommy, and um, his sister was past herself, you know, crying and everything. He talked about Lee Duffy then, Dale, and uh, she, she phoned me. She went to me. He's been he's been locked up. Dale's been locked up. And I was like, right. You go and see Tommy and see what's going on. I don't know what it's for, type of thing. So I phoned Tommy and arranged to go to his house. So he said, yeah, pop down in the morning, about half nine, nine o'clock. So I goes round, 
just to see what was going on, not, not for anything else. And I've gone in, God, Lee Duffy sat there on a chair, with his leg on, leg on a chair and just staring at me, nine o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, a pair of shorts, and the man was a monster. So I'm, I'm trying to talk to Tommy, <laughs> and I can't concentrate. I can't concentrate because he's, he's not talking to me. He hasn't said a word to me. Just, but me and Lee were quite okay with each other, and he's just sat staring at me and never opened, opened his mouth. And Tommy's talking. And every time I say something, Tommy looks at Lee, and, I, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, what's going on here? I've only come to ask you if you know anything about Dale. I can't even remember the conversation with Tommy because I just didn't concentrate. You wouldn't know. Would I just you? wanted to get out. You're going to look at Jane. I just wanted to get out. Looking at you. I was like, what? I'm going to have to go because I've said I made old trees. I was gone. Yeah, but Lee was awesome. Well, I see pictures of him. Jamie dropped his fucking legs. Yeah. That's maybe why he wore shorts. You probably couldn't get fucking pants to fucking fit. Yeah, Apart from the Alibaba ones. Yeah. Do you have any other run ins with him? Not really, like I say, he was my brother-in-law's friend, so because he, he was Dale's friend, I got away with quite a lot. Yeah. He, he never bothered me, he never really bothered me. But, uh, so he never taxed you or plans on you? No, no, not really. He, he probably would have, and been with Dale. Yeah. You know, but like, so I was quite lucky, I was, I was blessed, you know. Did Dale tell you any more crazy stories about him? No, uh, him, and, him and Dale had a bit of a... See, Lee used to wear, uh, no matter how much of a friend you were, He'd end up having a rumble with you. If you had a reputation, he wanted to fight you. And Dale had a, quite a decent reputation for fighting. Dale was a proper stand-up fella. Could have could have a fight. Ex, ex uh, professional boxer. I never understand that. You'd want a few lads beside you who'd want yeah. to fight, yeah. but you, you wouldn't want to rumble with them. You'd want them next yeah. to you, wouldn't I you? I think the, anyone with a rep, reputation, which I didn't have a reputation, yeah. so, but Dale did. So he had a reputation. He wanted to put you down, you know, Can and he he was. And everyone he challenged, he, he was quite capable of beating, you know. So why do you think he teamed up with the tax man? I don't know. I mean, two big fellas, Anna. Yeah, two big fellas. I didn't really know Brian in the early days, you know. And and as Brian come on the scene, I was like going out of the scene. I was, I got out of jail and yeah. I was settling down. I wasn't working on the doors no more. And I was like taking a back seat and the type of thing. So I didn't used to see much of Lee. And I, I did, and I didn't hardly see Brian. I knew of him, you know his reputation. A threesome would have been Lee Duffy, Brian, and Viv Graham. That would have been just like fucking. It would have been unbelievable, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. it would have. But I mean, from what I know, Brian, he was just a, he was really into his training, wasn't he? Yeah. He was just a fanatical trainer, and he, probably one of the strongest men in the country at one time, you know. So the faces in the Teesside criminal world included Keith McQuaid, Keith McQuaid, John yeah. McParlin, John McCormack, Brian Charrington, Paul Bryan. Yeah. Who was the scariest you ever came across? And who are those guys, basically? Can you explain to the viewers? I've heard about McParlin right. before. First one was um, Keith McQuaid. Keith McQuaid. Keith McQuaid. Knew him, grew up with him. Uh, we were really good friends. Uh, I visited him when he was in jail. Keith, Keith was just a, he was just a crazy man. He was a lovely fella. Yeah. He'd love it. You could spend all day with him talking. But he had something about him where uh, he was accused of, I don't know if he if he uh, had been an assassin. I don't know if he was, you know. Because when I was friends with him, he wasn't doing stuff like that. But he'd done a lot of time in jail. Uh, I used to live in a flat when I was a kid. with his, his, his sister, she had a flat. And she got murdered in there. The landlord said fire at the house and she died in the fire. And it sent Keith a little bit crazy. I think he wanted to go to jail. 
to find the lad who'd done it because yeah. he got caught. Keith was crazy. Keith was very dangerous, yeah. And then you've got... Did, did he get the lad? No, but he'd done a lot of jail. He'd done a lot of jail. Mm. Just did. looking for the guy. I think in the end, no, he was a criminal. He was oh. a criminal. He'd do armed robberies and things like that. I think, you know, if someone's going to call you an assassin, I, don't, yeah. I mean, them guys are clever. They cover the tracks. They, yeah. They, they won't even be noticed. Yeah. Really, no. You're not yeah. going to, like... Low-key. Yeah, very low-key. He's, he's been charged with several murders and got away with them, you know. Oh, there you go, then. You know... But like I say, I'd lost touch with him then. He, he, he wasn't my friend then. We was, if he'd yeah. seen us, he'd, we'd speak and talk. But we never kept phone numbers and all like that. And then there was, there was the other one, John McParland. It's just, something's just triggered in my mind. Imagine if your missus was raped, right, and the rapist was in the jail. Would you go to jail to try and get that guy? Yeah, but you'd, get, you'd have a do not house. They'd do, do a oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If they, if they knew the effect, they'd yeah. put you in a different jail. There's no way you could get your hands on him, is there? No, no you'd have to pay. I'm going back with it? that one, you know, that, that's going back. I'd only been 19 year old then. Yeah. When, when his sister died, you know. So I'm going back a long time then. Every old school prison, that they won't yeah. have no do not house. Yeah. 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 The cold defendant could be next to you, couldn't they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The person that put you in could be yeah. yourself down fucking the other yeah. end of the wing. Yeah. Like you say, these people that you're talking about now, they are dangerous. Oh, yeah. But, but I, I, I see them in a different light because I've grew up with them. Do you know what I mean? That's how I see wild men because I've grown up with them. Yeah, you, yeah. you do, don't you? Just a big cuddly teddy yeah, bear yeah. character. You just no. think different. Because <laughs> I am. <laughs> John McPartland was the next one. John McPartland. Uh, probably the closest thing to a real gangster ever become from Middlesbrough. I would say that's my opinion. Other people might say it's different, but to me, man was very clever. Like the Sayers? Yeah, yeah, I would I would say John, but he was a, a one-man band, John. Yeah. He'd, he'd do a lot of stuff on his own. Do a lot of stuff on his own, John. And he'd done lots of uh, major crimes. Yeah, but he, he was a stand-up fella and, and techno shit. Techno shit and, like... Like I say, I, I never had a problem with any of them, but like I would not have liked to have a problem with John McParland. Yeah. I would not. What major crimes was he convicted of? Um, major drug dealing crimes, really. Drug dealing. I mean, he's done a lot of time in jail. I've heard of his name. He's done a lot of time in jail because he's done a lot of things himself. Like some people use people to like drop things off, pick things up. He did it himself. He did it himself. You know. You know, I, I worked with him, and he was like, "Don't you ever send anyone, and I'll never send no one. You come if you don't come, you don't get it." You know, if it, how it happens, I know it's you. You know. Fair enough, though, isn't it? You know, yeah, if, yeah. No one, if you don't bring anyone into the circle, you can't blame anyone, yeah. can you? I, I had a lot of respect for John. That's the worst mistake being sure made, really. Mm. In hindsight, yeah. you just keep it to five people. Yeah. But things get so big, you just need more than that fucking five, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the New Mexican Mafia used to say to me, only you're allowed in the house. Yeah. Don't even let me in, bastards. Yeah. <laughs> John McCormack. John McCormack. John McCormack was one of my closest and bestest friends. Yeah. And he, you know, he lived in Middlesbrough for a long time. He was involved with Brian Charon, who I had nothing to do with, really, Brian. I met him, but I never dealt with him. Uh, I used to be friends with John. John McCormack, yeah, in Middlesbrough. Just a normal fella, big-ended drug dealer, mm-hmm. big-town drug dealer. Moved to Spain, and I used to go and visit him in Spain and stay with him in Spain. I was in a bit of bit of graph with him in Spain. Uh, he was a completely different person. I mean, he was dangerous. I mean, uh, I'm, he had Bella Madden, Fungarola, and uh, he had a little 
He used to have a little bar in front of Rolla called the Cactus Bar. And I just, the, the change in him was unbelievable. He was, he was a monster. He was dangerous over there. Everything went through him. Everything. You, you have, have you seen that movie, The Business? Do you know that you could base that on him? I was going to say that, You could yeah. base that film, The Business, on John McCormick. Yeah. Honestly, you could. You know, people from Middlesbrough don't realise what he was like out there. But he, uh, he, got, he got shot in Denmark. He got murdered in Denmark. Yeah. Over what? There was, there was I mean, I, I got interviewed by the, by the Danish police to come over to see me because I was his friend. He had my phone number and I had his phone number. And uh, it was right, his girlfriend at the time, a little Danish Eskimo. Uh, Danish what? Eskimo. A Danish Eskimo? Yeah, that's what she was, <laughs> half Eskimo, honestly, and half Danish. I've, I've met her. And, uh, but she's fit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she, she's a martial arts expert. A cold pork yeah. answers. They used to fight and she used to fill him in. <laughs> yeah, so, but I don't have a feeling. Yeah, she she got the blame for it. She was accused of it and never charged. Then her first husband was accused of it. He was a proper as angel, not someone on a motorbike. Yeah, a proper one, yeah. In, no one got charged with it. So she was maybe a black widow? Yeah. Well, what they've done, they put it down to some, uh, some woman gangster from London who was going around killing... Drug dealers. She yeah. she got she got found killed herself, but she was in the area at the time and they, they tried to connect her with John, but I didn't know her. But like you know, he, he died. A, if they, whoever shot him, if they'd have phoned the ambulance, he would have lived. He bled to death. They just left him. Women are ruthless. One of Sean's exes, I won't I won't mention her name, but she had books on how to poison people and stuff. And you think, <laughs> why would you have that? You know what I mean. <laughs> I'd be yeah. having takeouts every yeah. fucking night, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a serial killer books as well. Lovely lady, though. Hi. So this woman, then, I'm fascinated. The woman was killing drug dealers. What was her deal? Right. If you, I don't know. If you, if you Google her, she, she's supposed to have killed some uh, Colombian drug lord. So she got paid for that. Just to oh, she was on a room for this. They were looking for her. Yeah. Yes, she was her. an assassin then for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the name, but it's in my book. Yeah. I'm sure it's in my book. And uh, not, not for, uh, for herself. But what happened? She was, got, she was alleged... They were looking for her for killing these drug dealers. She uh, was killing them to take their business, over, take over their business? I don't I don't know the full story of it. It could be a lot. It could, I mean, they could have used her or abused her and she might have... I think she was a one-man, one-woman band. Yeah. I think she, she, was, she was wanted for killing some uh, drug lord. And then she's killed, supposed to kill a couple more. But when John was shot, she'd been seen in cafes in that area. This was what come out in the... It's in the papers. Yeah. And then they found her dead about six months later in a hotel. What's her name, then? In Ireland. I can't remember the name. Mm. Off, off the top of my head. They'll be Googling this like crazy now. Yeah. I just want to mention that your book, The Altar Boy, if people want yeah. to read Paddy's book, it's in the description box below this video if you want to check that yeah. out worldwide on Amazon. Right. And her name would be in my book because I, I, I did. Uh, my memory's terrible. And she was English. Yes, yes, I think yeah, yeah, definitely English. Yeah, but I think she was killed in in Holland. I'm not sure. And where did you kill the Colombian drug lord? I'm not so sure. Mm. I just I, I only like glanced over it because the Danish police were saying like, we're going to close the case because we think How she's many done years it. Ago, was it? Oh, John's been dead now. Been in the middle back. Yeah. It'd been about 15, 16 years ago. You can't remember shit like that. Can no, you? I can't it's remember like that. You can, yeah, you can Google it if you Google, like, oh, yeah, but it's a bit too many drugs later, isn't yeah. it? If you oh, kill John McCormick, it, you know, yeah. it'll come up type of thing. So, what about Brian Charrington? Brian Charrington was a massive uh, 
massive name in Middlesbrough. He, he was uh, he was as big as the the fella from Liverpool. We call him one from Liverpool. Oh, um, cocky. Yeah, yeah, as big as him. I, th- I think they were. They, I, I think they were together. Curtis Warren. Curtis Warren. Ryan was a, he was a big fish. Yeah, but like I say, I didn't I didn't have anything to do with him really. Not for any reasons, just that I'd be out past never crossed. Yeah. And then Paul Bryan. Paul Bryan, another good friend of mine. I keep getting cramp. Yeah. <laughs> I keep getting cramp. Yeah, Paul Bryan. I still visit him. Spoke to him the day before yesterday. He phones me all the time. Uh, he's still cat here. He's trying to get onto his course to get him down to a cap B. And uh, he's, he's got a little thing in his head where he's trying to plan for the next seven years to be. Is he staying out of trouble? Like? Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah. He's doing his best, yeah. Like I say, his family rally around him and everything, and his daughters, they're all doing really well for, the, for themselves. He's got a good family around him. They That's what you need, him. isn't it? His grandkids now, he, I mean, even the grandkids weren't born. Yeah. He's only known while he's been in jail. But yeah, he's got a good family around him, and hopefully, like, things will start to go well for him. But he has to do this, I don't know what the course is. He has to do a course, it takes nine months, and then hopefully, he goes back to Franklin. He's in Long Larton now, miles away from his family. Then he ended up in Franklin and hopefully he'd get decatterized. And so is then that Cat A? Is that right now? Yeah, he's still Cat A, yeah. But he, once he gets to Cat B and Cat C, then he, he's on his way home. Fingers crossed. He will Fingers be, won't he? As long as he keeps his nose clean. Yeah. Yeah. So how come Middlesbrough is so rough? It's only a small place, you know. It's only a very small place, Middlesbrough. And you've got on the outskirts, you've got Stockton, Eston, Southbank, and Grangetown, where Lee Duffy was from. I don't know. In them days, it, it, it seemed to be rough. I don't know about now because I'm just, I'm just a family man now. I've yeah. just settled down and I just hear rumours about what's going on and who's and. But like in them days, yeah, it was, it was just a collection of them people. Oh, the North East was like oh, yeah. Newcastle was. Newcastle like that. had the same things, didn't it? Had yeah. Different people, different families. And yeah. That. And you've got the drug gangs getting more violent as well, haven't you? Yeah. You got like Hartlepool, they had the odd gangster. Yeah. You got Sunderland, they had the. Yeah. You know, it's just. But the I think the, the, drugs, crazy, the drugs in them it? days was, was a lot different than what they are now. Yeah. Like. I mean, you could you could really deal with people in them days, but today you don't even know who you're dealing with. I mean, there was a lot of poor people, there was a lot of working class, yeah. like a lot of fishermen wanted and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and steel works and things like that. Yeah. And once the steel, the works ended. Yeah. People had to do something like it. Yeah. And now you got the Albanian mafia moving in, they'll just come yeah. over to you and take, class, take, your, take your eyeballs out. It's different now, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that was my era. You had you had tough guys then, but now these these guys yeah. are just ruthless. Yeah. They'll kill you over fucking. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I was in that era. I was in. Yeah. So you yeah. served almost a decade in the prison system. What were the most terrible things that you saw or experienced? In jail. Eh, uh, I mean, I've been in, I've been in jail for like being 15 year old. Barstools, jails. Eh, uh, had a massive gap. For my last sentence, you see, you see lots of things in jail, and it's, it's obviously the beatings. You see lads getting stabbed, lads getting beaten, uh, and then there's other silly things you see. Like when I was in Wymot, I seen an old man die. You know what I mean? Uh, on the spice. On spice. Yeah. He just wigged out and. Well, he fell down the stairs. Down the stairs. Things like that stick with you. No, know, like I didn't know the man, but like when you're on the threes and you're looking down and you. Someone tumbles down the stairs. Everyone's giggling and laughing because you can't walk. And I just roll up the stairs. Next thing he goes and he's and he's landed at the bottom and they're putting a blanket over him. You know. Had he been spiked or had he done it himself? 
you get a lot of young lads in jail and what they do, they, you have these old fellows who haven't got no money and, and they, they give them it, you know. Yeah. Or they, or they drop, they put it in what they call it, you know, like them who go like bingey pippin type of thing. They put spice in them and, that, and then watch for a bit of fun. That's a bad thing. Spice is terrible in jail. Yeah. I mean, years ago when I was in jail, you don't really see much because, you know, not really happened back in the 70s, 80s. But like now, today, going to jail now, that's you have to deal with that sort of stuff, Spice. Even even the 90s when I went, it wasn't like that. It was, mm. you know, it, the Scottish would have the heroin, you know, and you'd have like fucking temogesics, yeah. pharmacies. And, yeah. and now and again, people bring a bit of hash in. Yeah, that was all of us in the house there. You do a bit, little bit of rock pinners, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But this this jail now, I mean, I've seen lots of people on Spice. I've seen documentaries on it, it's fucking terrible. People are letting, like, sitting there and letting someone slap them as hard as they can yeah, yeah. for a fucking joint of Spice, man. Disgusting. Yeah. What about famous prisoners? Did you interact with any? Famous prisoners? Yeah. Uh, I never. He was in the same year as me, but I never met enough that Frenchie from Liverpool. He was, he wasn't there long. Oh yeah, we just saw Stephen French on James English. It was a good interview. Yeah, yeah I don't know him. Yeah. I read his book. What would happen? I'd read his book and then he come in. Uh, oh God, there's a, yeah. Oh, the book's brilliant. Yeah, I read yeah, the book, yeah, man. I can't yeah. even believe he's alive. Yeah, I read the book. It was brilliant. Those, yeah. those doorman battles. Yeah, yeah. but maybe he's the most famous one is one. Uh, Jamie wrote a book about him. Paul Sykes when I was fifteen year old. Are you in with Sykes? I was. I wasn't in with him. I was. I was. A, I was a YP. I was. Good I just watched the documentary on him. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, I say I was in jail when he was in. I can't really remember. It was just, you see, you're scrubbing floors because you're a YP, and someone go like, "There's that Sykesy then," and you look like he's looking down at you, like turn away. Was he a giant? Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget, I was only fifteen year old. You know what I mean? What stories yeah. did you hear about him? Yeah. All oh, the screws used to tell you if he's any, any fucking about me and open your door and let Sykes see you know. <laughs> <laughs> any, any carry over, you know. Yeah, nine o'clock, the door will be open and he'll be in. So he's just like, poof. Like letting purple act. I never, yeah, I never ever know anyone that it happened to. Yeah. But, I mean, like, there was rumours that it did happen. It could have been just a threat or it could have been whatever. That's what I've always looked at, the, the, the screws, like, use it to keep you. Yeah. Yeah. When you say there's rumours that it did happen, that he would like, go in and, and beat someone up for them or that he would bomb them? Bum him, rape him. Yeah, bum him. He's probably said the screws like, that young kid, wait, what cell is he in? Let me in the night. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm glad I was ugly. All allegedly, by the way. Yeah. All allegedly, yeah. I don't think it happened, like. Sean's getting a bit silly with his questions. <laughs> 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 Jamie's questions. <laughs> Paul Bryan is serving double life with murders in Leeds. Yeah. But you were his partner for many years. Yeah. What stories of Paul have you got? Paul... Oh, me and Paul had lots of stories. Uh, uh, when I had my death threat from Spain, Paul had the same death threat. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Death threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Were you did, still in Spain or did you come no, back? No, I was home? in England. Uh, they come from Spain to kill me and Paul. Uh, I was quite angry actually. Yeah. Because you know, it didn't warrant it. If it warranted it, it would be different. I didn't do anything wrong. Whatever Paul did. And it would be smart if they come to the pub or something, but if they come to your house or yeah. where your family are. They did, yeah. That's fucking wrong, that man. Yeah. That was the story you told us last time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. If you want if you want to get check that story out, go down for part one yeah. of uh, Paddy Maloney and you can uh, get all the details of that. It's a really gripping one. It was terrifying but angry as well. Yeah. Me, me and Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it? 
Yeah. So do you have any regrets for anything you've done? Regrets? Everyone has regrets, don't I? Uh, I don't know. No, I've got no. no regrets, mate, now. Eh, uh, I have regrets, yeah. You're regretless? Yeah, I am. I have no I regrets. Am. I don't know. Everything, everything was a lesson. Everything was meant to be the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. Like when people say, would you change your life? I, I don't think I would because I've had a nappy life, but then again, people have gone, like, you've been to jail for like 10 years. Like all your life. It's so an experience, it's, isn't it? It's part, if it's you part of in me, there, you know what I mean? I think if I hadn't gone to an American jail, I would have, I would have died after drugs. I wouldn't be here now. Yeah. You come across as a very calm, peaceful person, like yeah. you're at ease with yourself. I am now, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, you know, you, you have, you have, when you're drugged in, it's completely different, you know. But I'm out of that now, and, I, and I'm I'm quite lucky with the family I've got, you know what I mean? I'm really lucky. Debbie stood by me when, I, when she shouldn't have. He has the perfect profile as a serial killer, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so don't troll him, he'll get your IP yeah. address. How are you yeah. handling the trolls? I, I don't think I've had very many bad ones, but I have had a couple. Uh, there's one or two, I, I think, that on, on, on from my last one video. Laughable, aren't they? Yeah, but I think I know who it is. Oh, you know dear. what I mean? Because they're that thick, the same things, that only... Certain people know. Yeah, you know, like, oh, no, about this Irish Brian and that. And he's saying things, and he's saying to me, yeah, but you're one of your low-level drug dealer. Uh, I work with Irish Brian, and I took off, and I'm massive now, and I'm thinking... I can't have been too many, can it? You know <laughs> no, I, mean? I know, I know who it is. It's rather one or two people. Yeah, it's rather one or two people. When I first got, but it's out, just a joke. Yeah, calling me, uh, calling me bad names and I've done bad things and now. When yeah. I first got up, I wanted to find the IP addresses and just yeah. go to Swatton, but now I've treated with kindness. Yeah, just let them get on with it. Yeah, you know, because I, I know deep down it's jealousy. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything I've done wrong, I've paid for. I've paid for. They want the five minutes of fame. They've yeah, got nothing yeah. better to do. Yeah. They haven't got a story to tell like us. They haven't got a life. They just want to fucking stag people off. They've never been to jail. No. These two, like, one, of, one of them has, one of them I think it is, for a small sentence. The others, the others haven't been to jail. Jail's a horrible place. Half of them are just sat in the fucking mum's house, fucking yeah. wanking over the yeah. catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over the catalogue? Yeah, Cave's yeah. catalogue. Yeah. That's where I first started. <laughs> Lingerie page. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I've got regrets that that I uh, that I've put my family through so much. Pain, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, De- Debbie's been through pain. It's nothing worse than your mum in quarters and things like that. No, no. Speaking yeah, like my mum and dad. Yeah, they must have suffered because yeah. I was a little bastard when I was a kid. I was a bad, I was a bad kid. Yeah. You know, so they must have suffered. But yeah, I don't think you don't think of that. But like mum and my wife and my kids. A lovable rogue. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've suffered, you know, like with the trolls on, on Facebook and I mean, I've got the jail and that. Mm. You know, people sending daft messages to my daughters and that. That's bad, well, that. Yeah, but it, it, it's life, in it? If they're going to get you, yeah. they should get to you, you know, they should yeah. send it to the family yeah. members. So I do regret that. I, I do get putting them through it. And I, sometimes I sit there when I'm watching telly, watching Vera, and I look at Debbie and I think, God, she must be an idiot there. Eh? I love Vera, me. Yeah. yeah. What year did you finish your last sentence? I'm still on licence. That must have been a shock, that, because there's a gap between your teen years doing birth yeah. and then all of a sudden you... you yeah, like... completely, yeah. It was, it was a shock, because when you get there, you, what you're expecting isn't there no more. It's different. Yeah. When, when did you actually leave the last prison? I left, left Kirk, eleven. Where are we now? To, July 2018. So do you, have any, do you have any traits in your everyday life? Like, I got released in... 2007, December. Mm. But even now, like, if I've got, like, a, a 
restaurant or a bar, I like to sit with my back against the wall. Yeah, you do you have do anything that. like that? Yeah, you always do that. Yeah, I, I always like to see people coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never like sit with my back to the door. No, no. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, I always do. If me and the wife you do it naturally, don't out, you? Yeah, it's just a natural thing. It's not something. You, but like, if I go to a restaurant with Debbie and another couple, I will make sure I can see the door. Yeah. Do you stay, Do you think that you're like sensitive to? Danger, then you're alert. Yeah, you've always got to be, haven't you? You know, because some of the things that I've done in my life, there's probably some there's some people that probably don't like me or hate me, you know. Yeah. You know, you're, you're always there for like reprisals, aren't you? Type of thing. Yeah. Do you have any um, characteristics like, from prison that you take forward? Um, I've got like a very skinny, because in Arizona you don't have a pillow. Yeah. So ever since then, I've got like a, a tiny, skinny little pillow that I yeah. use. Can't yeah. use big pillows yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I sleep with my back to the wall, and like fucking, I always sleep at a certain way. But in prison, people could go past and swill you with fucking hot water. So you should sleep further away from that. You sleep at that that end of the bed, where the, where your TV is. Um. But uh, yeah, it's just like normal shit. Like you say, when you go to a place, I always make sure that my back's to the wall and I can see, I've got like a view of what's going on. But um, other than that, no, not really, no. It just. And what was it like doing the book then? What made you want to do that with Jamie? I'd been doing it on and off for years before, before I met Jamie, you know, like writing myself. For a long time, maybe it was about eight, ten years, maybe it's twelve years, just doing bits and that. And then thinking, ah, oh, no, it's shy, you can't do that. And you get so far through it, and I get to where I was like 18, 19, I'm thinking, God, my mum and dad must have been tortured, you know. And then I get past that, and I was thinking, and then when Jamie phoned me about uh, Lee Duffy, because I knew Lee really well, and he was talking about it, and we were just in conversation, and like, Jamie's easy to talk to. So I'm on the phone, I felt as though, he was, yeah. he's, you know, I, I sort of knew him. And uh, I just said to him, uh, I've been like putting a bit on paper, you know, Jamie, writing a book. You know, have you? Let's have a look at it then. So I, I showed him a bit and he went, right, yeah, did you fancy doing it? And it was just Jamie's encouragement. Jamie encouraged me. Because I, I, I think I would have wrote it on paper myself and like, oh, that's all right, but I would never got it published. No. Do you know what I mean? He's got a lot of good books out there, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I do remember when I first got out, I used to, because my dad always used to pull me up on it. I'd have a shower or I'd go wash my face, but then just leave the water on. Because it automatically in prison to go off, don't you? Yeah. So you just yeah. expect it to go off. And I'd leave the fucking thing on. <laughs> my dad said, you got the shower on, you know, you got to jump in it. Oh, mm. shit, I've had it, sorry. <laughs> and it was just a thing. Yeah. I'd have a wash, turn the taps on, have a wash, and just walk away. Yeah. I automatically thought it turned yeah. fucking off. Yeah. yeah. What about the first few mornings when you wake up? in your parents' house after coming out and you wake up and there's like, there's no chows in the house and, and it, the, the keys jingling and everyone just yelling and you're like, where the world? How I, I, I was, I was happy because I could roll and roll again in a double bed, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Just, instead of just like, I was happy because the mattress didn't uh, hit the metal. It is strange when you've got a jail in there. It, it is. Strange. When you've been in for like a couple of years, like I was in for like nearly three years. It is strange. You, you, you come home and... You go you're yeah. up to the fridge and get what you want. It's, it's, yeah. Everything's different because you're so used to being... That door locked you at five o'clock. But yeah. the moment you just get locked in at five o'clock, have your tea in your cell. And it was like, fucking hell. 
when you're home, it's different. You know, you can go to bed when you want. I mean, in jail, you only have maybe six, seven channels on your television. You don't have Sky and out like that in there. So when you come home and the kids... Do they have volume in yours? Because yeah. In America, uh, your TV would be clear, plastic, so people could see through it. And it'd be, you need headphones because it'd be on automatic silence. No, no, no. No, because other people couldn't hear There's it. fights in the UK, isn't there, where people leaving the volume on yeah, and stuff? Yeah, no, nothing like that, yeah. But like when you come home, like I was like, you feel as if everyone's staring at you and you, you, people are talking, you walk in the room and someone stops talking, you think they're talking about you, don't you? And now kids were looking at me and that and, you know. It takes a while to shake yeah, it off, doesn't it? it takes a while, yeah. Because you're used to seeing them on a visit, aren't you? And like, and quick cuddle and all that. And then when you get home, they're there. And they make a fuss of your donor. Yeah, and yeah. And you're not used to being made a fuss of, so yeah. everything feels strange. You know, I, I'm I'm a bit of a, a bit of a weirdo, really. I mean, I like to be on my own a lot, me, you know what I mean? I, I'm, you know, I like my own privacy. Well, I, I, I do as well. I like my own privacy. I don't like lots of people, mate. I don't like parties. Yeah. You know. I, I don't mind, I don't mind, like, friends coming around and that, but I don't yeah. like, like, strangers knocking on my fucking door. I won't let them in. I used to, I used to give a fucking fuck. In America, I'd have my fucking bedroom window open in my apartment and let yeah. people just come through and just get high, you know what I mean? But Yeah, like my pals will phone me out, like my good pals who stood by me, like, are you coming out with a paint on Saturday or Sunday? And I'm making an excuse because I don't want to. I don't want to go out. I, I, I can't make the excuse, yeah. but I always say, yeah, and but on the last spin, I was like, yes, oh, yeah. That's so much come up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always do that, yeah. So when you first got out, what food did you go for right away? Food? Yeah. Right, Indian. Oh, same here. <laughs> what about you? Indian from the Mazala. First thing I had was... Um, bottles of cider at the airport. Bottles of cider at the airport. <laughs> and on the, way, on the way home, our kid and Sean, we went into a nice pub and they were having a steak each. And I decided to have a ploughman's lunch. Because there's a lot of different cheeses. And yeah. The pork pie. Yeah. It's just stuff I hadn't had for yeah. fucking years. Yeah. I had Indian meat. But then I went so, to Indian. Lamb grass. And then the next day I had, I must have had, I must have had fucking like a packet of bacon. Just bacon on toast. <laughs> 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 yeah, you can't be Indian, can you? No, I'll have no, no. Yeah, nice big Indian. So Jamie's going to be doing Peter's book. Yeah, yeah. Have you got any tips for him about working with Jamie? You won't get much. You, you won't have. He won't give you much time to talk. What are you joking, Jamie? <laughs> what are you joking, Jamie? No, Jamie's very easy to work with. Yeah, he's very easy to work with, and he, he, he's not like doesn't override you and like say this is how we're going to do that. He listens to you. He listens to you and like he lets you put your side across. You know. He, he does listen and he keeps in touch. Is there any used boozers where he lives? From going down there. It's a lovely little village where he's at. Yeah, it's a nice little village where he's at. It's nice. Stokesley, it's lovely, yeah. yeah. Is it near the train station? Because we can't walk through. I've got fucking fat legs. I can't walk through for. I don't know if there's a train station there, like, but I'm not sure. It's a lovely village. Nice. Is it? Yeah. The pubs are all like little country pubs, yeah. Little villages, yeah. Yeah, but Jamie's easy to work with, and he's, we'll he's been helpful to me. <laughs> he's on standby. It's all you that coming, Andy. Yeah. Shout out to the driver. Thank you very much. Your services will be required soon. What's your plans now, Paddy, for the future? My plans now is to finish my license, come off my license, uh, and go to Spain. 
and spend a couple of years in Spain. Debbie doesn't want to move to Spain now because of the grandkids and all that carry on. But we uh, we we've got we've got a mortgage on a house in Spain. It's not a villa, it's now it's flashy, it's not a, a Are you drug. working? Are you looking for work or are you I'm tired? on the sick at the moment. You're on the sick. Yeah, but Debbie's working, Debbie's worked all her life. Yeah. And uh we just our plan is to maybe go over there maybe six, seven, eight months of the year. Can I ask you a quick question on that? Because my wife works and I could be on the sick because of, of several yeah. other ailments. But they've told me that I'm not entitled to anything because my wife gets more than 16 grand a year. Yeah. Well, I don't get much off them. I don't get that off them. It's just your stamp, isn't it? Ah, right. Right. You know. So you don't, you don't actually get a gyro? No. I've never had, I've never had a gyro for years. <laughs> but you don't have to go and you being on the sick. See, because you want me... To start going You've got down. To go on, there, I've, I have to go on the sick because to get the medication. Work. But yeah. So if I don't go on the sick, I don't get me medication. I have to pay for it and stuff like that. Where I'm, I've, I've got a, acute angina, so I need medication for stuff like that. You know what I mean? I got a pile full of medication, but what so, I do is because I've got over seven lots, I get a. It's called a prepaid prescription. Yeah. And it it works out at thirty quid a month. Yeah. Plus, it's your dentist and your, yeah, I mean, your, your glasses and things. Three months. Yeah. So it's only £10 a month. Yeah. I'd rather do that than go down there and fucking say I'm looking for work yeah. and then have to apply for being on the sick. Yeah. Then they ask you stupid questions. Mm. Then they want you to go on courses and all yeah. that. Yeah. So I'd rather. I'm retired. Retired. Yeah. When Peter first got out, they sent him on an assertiveness course. So are they all these unassertive people in the class? And the teacher at the very beginning goes, because of the, we're in a rush today, we're not going to have the usual breaks and we're not going to do all this stuff, we're not going to do all this stuff. And all the unassertive people are like, okay, okay. Peter stands up and goes, fuck that, I'm having my fucking break. <laughs> I'm child survivor, eh, brother? Like, uh, come here for nothing, you a brother having a break. And the teacher goes, it was a test to see who's assertive. <laughs> I still found out. Yeah. You know, I, I'm quite quiet. I'd have probably just sat there for an hour and thought, well, I'm off now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like, like, life's, life's okay now. I've, I've, you know, you've got to get on with it now. I'm, I'm 60 odd year old now. You thought you got a place in Spain, haven't you? Yeah, but it's what they call it. We've, we've struggled with that, you know, the mortgage. We've, we've big store and bought it to pay the mortgage. You know. Do you rent it out? We used to, we got, it got wrecked a bit. So we just, a couple of friends rented now, and that goes towards paying the mortgage. You know. Thing is with friends, you never want to charge as much, do you? Well, we were in office, but now we've said, like, you know, like this and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No point you being out of pocket yeah. when you're no, not no, even, no. you know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's just an house in a little village, and hopefully we spend a couple of years over there, you know. Kids can come over. I'm, I'm just hoping Debbie will change your mind and stay there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's only a couple of hours flight, and the kids can come over, you know. It's a better lifestyle over there. Well, I'll happily rent it from you and pay you. Better than the Ramada. A lot better than yeah. <laughs> And I'll behave too. It's a better, it's a better, it's a better lifestyle, isn't it? It's a better lifestyle yeah, it's by far. compared to what was here. It's a better lifestyle. Sure wouldn't like it. Wouldn't you? No, he's too active. He likes to work, he likes to be busy. The only thing over there, where it is, it's... He wouldn't know what a siesta is, you know what I mean? He wouldn't be able to have his little... It's all hills yeah. where we are. It's really, like, steep. Can oh, you? No, I couldn't yeah. go, I'm sorry. Yeah. Fuck! Ungarola's flat. Yeah. Bella Medina, Bella Madna is all hills. Especially in the village. I've got fungarola in my feet. Excuse, sir. 
<laughs> I'll say Harry Duty one of them too. Yeah. I'll do the track down. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. You're going on a binge, and you're going to start doing a bit of air. Uh... Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to lose weight. So say to Sean and I say that, that because we showed him last night. I said, you know, if I kick the fucking bucket, you guys are going to have a fucking hell of a thing carrying me. Yeah. Because I said it's all right. We we'll just get a couple of JCBs. <laughs> <laughs> 27 stone, what's that, almost £400? It's too much, that's what it Jesus. is. Yeah. 27 stone is too much. Got a backache fucking doing the dishes. <laughs> Literally? Yeah. Just have a little try, can't you? You can only try. Yeah, I can only try. You can only try. I'm going to knock the side off for a while, go on the vodka and not drink every day, and I'm going to go, if I can afford it, go to Slimming World. Mm. You still wank at least. I don't even bother with that. <laughs> well, after pills, more like blood pressure pills and heart pills and all that. If you read all the side effects, it's like you lose your fucking sex inhibition. Mm, well. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. And me and my wife are both chunky, so fucking hell. I'd, I'd need a fucking a dick the size of that long or fucking she'd need to slim down before I even got there anyway. <laughs> You'll be getting the film when you get home. I know, yeah. Yeah. But she's the nicer one out of the two of us. And I love you. And we love the trolls. And we love yes. the trolls. Yeah. Is there anything you like to say in conclusion, Paddy, to the people watching the video, the young people out there? Yeah. I hope we haven't glamorised this, because crime is, you know, going to jail is not glamorous, you know what I mean? It's hard. So, if you can, if you can, try and live a normal life. Leave the drugs alone, leave the crime alone. I'm, I'm lucky, my, my family stood by me. I've seen other people whose family haven't stood by them. They can they'll go downhill real quick. And, you know, and you end up in hostels, you end up homeless. It's around about for yeah, a minute, go a, in prison and then yeah. come out, and they've, got, yeah. they've actually got a better life in prison. Yeah, yeah. They're getting three hots on a cot, I call yeah, it, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So they just go right back in. Yeah. It's not a good life. We've sat here and had a laugh and a joke there, like about me and that going to jail and that. But uh, each and every sentence was painful, you know? Yeah. We've got... we. we we do this just to show the like our high human funny side of it, but we had a hell of a lot of days where it was just like, oh my god, am I going to get killed? Is this going to happen? It's, it wasn't all fun and games, believe me. We've had hit squads after us. We've had all types of people after us. It's just like it's not a glamorous life. And another thing is, you all you people will find God. That's very good, but. You don't have to find God's change. I've never found him, and I've changed. Yeah. You need a good woman. That's what changes you. Yeah, you do, yeah. Well, like jail, you know, if you're in jail, I mean, I was in jail for nearly three years. Yeah. Every day you wake day. up. You wake up every day, and it's the same routine. You phone home. You, you're petrified that there's a problem. Your wife phones home and says, this has happened or that's happened. You're like, you can't sleep on the night. You're tossing turn. It's not a nice place. You can have that bad phone call too, can't oh, you? Where you've yeah. had an argument yeah. and someone yeah. next to you is yeah. like that, fucking, come on, hurry up, hurry up. You fucking want yeah. to fill them in or you end up just slapping them with the phone. Yeah. Jail's no good for no one. Any kids watching or any young ones watching, just no. get yourself a good trade behind you. Live a normal life, you know. If your missus leaves with Sancho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually, if I was going, in hindsight, I wouldn't even take it. If I was married, you have no choice, but if I was actually going to jail, I wouldn't even go in in a relationship because it's just fucking extra stress on your fucking head. Mm. You're always wondering where she is. 
your mates never help you out in there, your so-called mates. They're always winding you up saying, oh, she's getting fucked. <laughs> and you're like that, oh, no, she wouldn't do that, no, she loves me. And then you get that dreaded letter. Dear John. Did you see anybody whose hearts were broken? Because yeah. Of ditched them? Of course, yeah. See you all the time, don't you? Yeah, you know, you can tell guys in the gym and they start banging the weights about, you know what I mean? They've had a bad phone call. Yeah. But like I say, I was, I was lucky, you know, lucky. You know, I didn't even, that never even ended my mind, you know. I was, that's part of my jail was easy, you know. She's a good woman behind you, yeah. it helps her a lot. Oh, yeah, she's been spot on, Debbie, yeah. yeah she put she still put up a lot of shit and probably a lot of embarrassment for her, you know, because I am what I am and she, you know, she knew that from day one. I've got a good woman behind me too. Yeah. Love you, Tina. Sean's got several. <laughs> so if you're looking... For Paddy's book is in the description box below this video. I'm also going to add now links to Jamie Boyle's Amazon page and Amazon UK and Amazon USA because we're doing so much work with Jamie and he's got a slew of books out there, really gripping stuff. Urge you to go down. All of Paddy's socials are down there and also is a link to the first podcast we did with Paddy where he blew us away with you know the hit on him, uh, the Lee Duffy story and all that gripping stuff, urge you to go down and watch part one. Please put your comments below, and if you are going to troll us, we love you. We will. Uh, we just want to hug you, and we don't care what you say about us. We know it is a cry for help. And also, thank you for all of the new subs. We're racing towards half a million. Subscription logos in the bottom right-hand corner of this video. It's free to subscribe. Helps us get more high-profile guests and get the word out to people. Thank you to people who've donated so we can do these studio recordings. Those links are in the description box. And that's about it. Anything else to say, Wald? No, that's it. What I'm going to do is, for all you people that call me fat, I'm going to, next time I do the cost with Sean, I'm going to bring some scales and I'm going to weigh myself in front of you. And then every month I'm going to do it and show you that I'm, not, I'm actually losing the weight. And all you've got to do is, if you want to donate a bit to be Slimming World, you can do, but you don't have to. And he's going to bless you with wild man water, fully bottled from the source, coming soon. Let's not go on about that, lad. <laughs> no, it's not even funny. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah.